Welcome to Disney Animation Minute Essentials, where we are going through Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs one minute at a time. I'm Kestra Dorowski. And I'm Andrew Dorowski. And today we are again joined by John Dorowski. Welcome. Thank you. Today is covering Minute 27, which begins with the turtle still falling down some falling down some stairs. I love this turtle, and he is such a good sport about (laughs) all of this. So great. Like, he gets turned around by the animals, and he's just, like, smiling. He's like, okay, guess I'm going back down the stairs. Like, (laughs) he's too chipper. Something's up. Something's up with it. Maybe he's just come to grips with that he's slow and following. Those grips are so good. Like, he should at least have, like, a size. Like, ah, well. Like, I'm not going to get mad at anybody, but I understand that this isn't awesome. <laughs> like, where's his chipmunk friend? I don't know. He hasn't been there since he climbed up the stairs. Oh, man. I need that chipmunk back. Yeah. <laughs> then make it okay. They definitely need a duo there. Yes. Yeah. Well, last week, he really spent a lot of time with there the There was chipmunk. some quality time there with was the chipmunk. Yes. That chipmunk got into the shell. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, and today's minute ends with the dwarf saying, what do we do? Um, all right, let's get started on this minute. Okay. Well, when the turtle stumbles down the stairs, this is a very good example of something Disney liked to do, which was to use musical instruments for the sound effects. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, when they have crashing sounds, it's always cymbals. Uh, in this case, when the each time the turtle hits the stair, they use a musical sound for the sound effect. Now, this isn't all that they use. We'll discuss some of the other sound effects they do. Uh, yeah, there's some the good Foley work. Uh, but in this case, uh, both here and later on, when the dwarves run into each other, as they're uh, when they spot the house with the light mm-hmm. on, uh, both great examples of using those musical sound effects. Yeah, and I think they do a really good job of balancing the musical sound effects with also the more real sound effects that they do later. Mm-hmm. Um, like some crashes are musical and some crashes are, I don't know what the other term would be. Um, Foley work, I think is yeah. right. Um, but they, it doesn't strike me as odd when they use one or the other. Yeah. Well, I think, part, so, of that, I think part of that is where... I mean, we watched these since we were kids, so we're brought up with this uh, language of film. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the things I point out in my film classes. We all know how film works. We just don't know the terminology or the specifics, but it's just like learning English. You, Most of us are brought up with this, so we know the language. Uh, it's just then thinking about taking apart, learning the names of things, learning how it's structured, just like learning we have to take years of English classes in high, in elementary through high school. You know, you take a film course and you learn about this invisible language. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Disney has a gift for balancing it between these, you know, Foley work and music and getting the animation to match up with it too. Like everything fits just so. Right. Uh, that's the, uh, and I have a term for that. Um, it's actually called Mickey Mousing. Yes, the the Mickey Mousing. 
I've heard that term before. I'd forgotten all about so it. So that's the, when there's a tight correlation between the sound and the, and the image. So in this case, it's uh, using the music as sound effects, but you also have uh, moments where in the next minute, we'll see an example of how you can have the action match with the music. Mm-hmm. Or really the music match with the action since it's composed afterwards. Yes. Uh, I have a note that in this minute, we really start getting the real sense of um, of all the dwarfs' personalities. And I was struck very much by Doc, and he reminds me of the Beast from X-Men. Like He definitely always mm-hmm. makes me think of Hank McCoy. <laughs> Except with more malapropisms. Except for that, but otherwise, like the archetype that he seems to represent just always is like, oh, that's Beast. He's he's the the smart one, and kind of defaults to leader in at least um, situations where they're exploring the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, he might not necessarily be the leader. Although we see him carrying the lantern and walking in the front of the of the line. Yes. So Doc's Hmm? lantern is yellow, but Dopey's is red. I don't know what's wrong with Dopey's lantern. (laughs) I think it's broken. (laughs) And I don't think he had it before. I I pause at a moment um, right before you see the actual lantern, but Mm -hmm. you see the red light. There's just a red glow. And it looks like it's just coming from like Dopey's shoulder. (laughs) And I'm just like, that's not how a light works. And it doesn't (laughs) seem as bright. Like Doc's lantern is the lantern. Yeah. Yeah. And and then when the dwarfs all pile on like stumble into each other when Doc stops. Yes. Uh Doc's lantern has disappeared and then Dopey's like bounces away. Yes, they lose the lanterns. They're a little fast and loose with props. Yes. Well, maybe it was like a train or a car. You have a bright light in front and a red light in back. Right. That could be. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just I try and find know. some reasoning for this. Well, and I don't like I don't remember seeing Dopey with that lantern in the previous um no, sequence. So it seems new after dark. Um but yeah, Doc's up front, he's got the lantern, everything's lined up, and then he stops and you and get his, the classic his his hand goes behind or to the side of him, kind of Right next to whatever dwarf was right behind him. I think him. Happy, Happy was behind him. And then um, his hand kind of moves back forward and his lantern's gone. Huh. So he just drops it back there and moves know. on with the scene. It just um, disappears. And then we get the classic everyone crashing into each other, which I would be very interested to know when that gag first came into film. I don't know. And I wonder if it came from like a stage production that somebody saw or something, if it was used before that. Uh, Keystone Cops, maybe? Yeah, it, I mean, I'm sure it's something from at the very least silent film. Yeah, well, silent oh, film was much more about the physical gags, and this would have been one of those examples. Yeah, so I'm, do, do, I'm sure so. it must have come, you know, early. I, I believe it could have been a Buster Keaton one if he was noted for having groups. <laughs> Do physical yeah. comedy, except that, it's just him. That's why I went with Keystone Cops, because it's the group dynamic that you need for this. Maybe yeah, Charlie I mean, Chaplin. Yeah, that's the next one I was thinking. Of. It could be a Charlie Chaplin one. It seems like the kind of thing he would come up with. Yeah. 
Um, but it'd have to be just I, the right moment. Yeah. So, um, but it's definitely um, continued. Yes. Yes. It's become a trope. Right after the crash, they notice the lights on. And then all in unison, they say, Jiminy Crickets. Yes. That's what it was. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I know that was a phrase before Jiminy the Cricket mm-hmm. was a character. Mm-hmm. But it's like so striking to hear it in a Disney movie in, in particular. Disney, yeah. yeah, because it's you know, become... Just before Pinocchio. Um, it, Pinocchio is a few years out from this. Yeah, it's so identified with the character now. We can't imagine it as just a phrase. Yeah. yeah. But um, it, um, mm-hmm. I looked it up and it uh, was an old saying, basically, a way for people to swear with, or to take yeah. the Lord's name in vain without taking the Lord's name in vain. Yeah, I, I mean, you just look at the initials and exactly. mm-hmm. you see exactly what they're trying to say. Yes. Yeah, so... I looked up some information on that. Okay. Uh, Dorothy says it in Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she's startled by the wizard, she goes, oh, oh, Jiminy Crickets. And then uh, it looks like perhaps the first use on film was 1930, a movie called Anna Christie, which I have no idea about. I have not heard of it. Uh, Disney used it again before Pinocchio in The Brave Little Tailor. Huh. All right. So obviously uh, Disney liked this phrase a lot. And then when they had a cricket character from Pinocchio. Uh, he just knew. Yeah. Well, yes. it's, in the book, it's just a talking cricket. It doesn't have a name. And so, yeah, it was just like, oh, we'll, we'll name him talking Jiminy. Cricket. We'll, but, we'll name him Jiminy. Because. Uh, pin- go ahead. Uh, because Jiminy is such a common name. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Pinocchio came out three years after this, and they probably started it short after. I know shortly they, after. I was. I'm produced. pretty sure they had um, Pinocchio in mind as one of the next um, ones to come. I, I'm pretty sure because uh, they because Walt promised Ward Kimball yes. the role of Jiminy Cricket after he, he his promised him to cut uh, be an animator. Yeah, for mm-hmm. for Jiminy Cricket. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely in mind. Yes. Um, while they were in in production for Snow White. Um, and then we get the... uh, Speaking of animators, briefly, mm -hmm. since you mentioned that, uh, have you discussed any of the nine old men? Not in particular, so feel free to bring it up now. Right, well, I just... uh, This is the team of core animators uh, for Disney that really began with Snow White. Uh, they all worked on it to in some role or another. I know you've mentioned some of the names before mm-hmm. uh, since it was on the credits. But this uh, was by the core team. I mean, they were there for 20, 25 years working on all the films uh, in some capacity or another. Uh, and so it's uh, Les Clark, Mark Davis, Ollie Johnston, Milt Call, Ward Kimball, Eric Lawson, John Lonesbury, Wolfgang Reitherman, or Reitherman, and Frank Thompson. I'm sure we'll be mentioning their names again yeah. <laughs> throughout the films that I've, we discuss. I've heard of most of them that, um, like some some of them, I haven't like heard a lot of their work in detail and a lot a, a lot about their role at Disney. Um, mm-hmm. 
but uh, several of them, like Ward Kimball and uh, uh, Reitherman and... Well, it's, as they were the couple, core group, their names you see over and over if you pay attention to the yeah. credits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It would it would be, um, I'd say, comparable to the names we know from Pixar now. You know, those foundational... Yeah. Um, like names. Like Lassiter? Yeah, Lassiter, Bird. Stanton. Um, Stanton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like those are the foundational, like these were big idea guys leading the charge yeah. um, for animation. Yeah. So this minute we get the first of Doc's malapropisms. Yes. Which continue throughout the film. He says, the lit's light. Yes, instead of the light's lit. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the only one we get in this minute? And then he talks more in the next minute, right? I believe yes. so. Or no, he says... Um, in this minute, he says, uh, we're going to squeak up on them <laughs> instead of sneak up on nope, them. No, that's next Or do you have that for next minute? I had it down for this one. Because they say, what'll we do? And then Happy says, we'll sneak up on them. And then Doc says, well, yeah, that's right. Okay. We'll so that's next minute. Sorry, I was a little bit off in my timing on doing <laughs> uh, the minutes. Um, I like that character trait. I don't know why they built it into him in particular. But it's it's fun. Yeah. Uh, do you think it could have like originated at some point? Just or do you think that they're like, yeah, we're gonna have this character and he's going to have this problem? I don't know. It could have just happened when they were working on the the stories. Um, that somebody said something when they were speaking lines that Doc would say, mm-hmm. and like, okay, that's pretty good. Let's do this. Yeah, <laughs> and and so, just lean into it. But I don't know. Yeah. So at this point, Disney. We've been doing pre-production on all their shorts and, of course, for this film uh, to work out all those narrative beats. So they had to had at some point in the planning stage because you're not going to work on this and then have a voice guy come in and do that and say, oh, that's great. Let's reanimate everything. Yeah, um, pretty so much I, everything was done in the storyboarding phase um, mm-hmm. for, for this film. Uh, they had to get everything mapped out before they were going to spend any time on the animation and uh, inking, painting, and filming because it's such a time-consuming process yeah. to do all of that. Um, so I'm sure if it if it happened organically, it must have happened during a storyboarding phase. I agree. Um, but they those storyboarding phases were very thorough. Um, you know, basically acting out the film. They were creating the film in in small chunks they would you know storyboard and discuss and workshop a sequence with somebody sometimes even walt himself doing all the voices and the actions and talking it through and saying like and this is what happens and and they move like this and and you know gesturing and everything uh i don't remember what the animator was um but there was someone i've read this in my how to be like walt book um it, there there was a story about how there was this animator who was trying to figure something out. And um, and so he was basically storyboarding, but he had it all over like the floor and then he started tacking it into the walls. And I, I, each time he, he moved it, Walt ha- complained about it. <laughs> He's like, it's all over the floor. You have to clean it up. It's all over your desk. You have to clean it up. Now you're poking holes in the wall. <laughs> and then he got a... a um, a board to pin mm-hmm. things like to and Walt's board. like, yeah, like a cork board. And Walt's like, this is brilliant. We're going to use this idea from now on. <laughs> That's 
how they came to storyboard. Storyboard the way they do. Yeah. Which I'd say from everything I know is essentially how storyboarding works now. Um, I had no idea it was, you know, developed that way by Walt Disney. Yeah. Um, if, if, if indeed it was. If, yeah. It's possible that it's just a story. Someone, I mean, they did a lot of pioneering, yeah. but I mean, even um, star Wars films get storyboarded like that. Now um, I've seen most films storyboarding sessions. Yeah. Um, and I've seen the storyboarding sessions on featurettes for, for star Wars where George Lucas is there and it's like, here's like our map, which is, you know, in a lot of ways, a lot like a comic book, you just get these frames um, mm-hmm. and they'll, and they'll work through and say, you know, here's a shot, here's a shot, here's a shot. Um, here's the motion that's going to happen. And they have arrows drawn in and everything. Mm-hmm. And they do basically what Disney was doing to, to plan this film. Uh, they do it now for everything. And I don't know if it existed beforehand, but it certainly is happening now. Okay, well, that'll do for today. And we'll be back again tomorrow with more. But you can find us online at protagonistpodcast.com slash dame. And please be sure to log into your podcast app and give us a review and a rating. Uh, Share us with your friends. We know you've got that Disney loving friend who wants this podcast in their life. Uh, But until tomorrow, just whistle while you work.